podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise. For your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. Boys are back, and we are here to preview another episode. It's time to talk K-State versus Texas Tech. Again, this is on, you know, the 25th anniversary of the Big 12. A lot of history between these two schools. Uh, it was the inaugural Big 12 game. Uh, what a wild ride the last 25 years have been for this conference and for these two schools. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, we started off with a bang. We ended that game with a bang. Mario Smith almost murdered a man. Um, and I'm excited to see how this one turns out. I hope, I hope it goes well for us. I agree with you, and uh, I don't think either one of us have a beer today. I have uh, some Powerade Zero Mixed Berry, the blue, uh, my favorite uh, beverage in the world. It looks like you're sipping on some water. That's correct. Um, last night I drank a beer, though, a classic Bob's 47 during the Chiefs' easy victory. Um, it was delicious. Yeah, no, I, I had a beer back then too. And even though we don't have a beer of the pod today, this year the beer of the pod is presented by betonline.ag. The wait is finally over. We have a triple header of fun upon us this week. Football's in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff early, especially the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs and the top of the Big 12 having a laugh, K-State Wildcats coached by Chris Kleiman. The NBA Finals are here. Go LeBron and Major League Baseball is in full swing. You might not be able to be at the game this year, but you can get in on the action at betonline.ag. BetOnline is taking the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads to totals, team player, and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Imagine if you had a money line parlay on the Chiefs and Wildcats from this past week. You'd be a rich man or a woman. You'd, you'd have a lot of money. I love it. Yeah, Yummy. it's been a nice week. It has. And let's for Except for the Premier League. Yeah, that wasn't great, but we're not a uh, soccer podcast, at least not yet. So let's just jump into it. It's how we start every single game preview episode. Coach Kleinman had his press conference today. Um, Let's just jump right into it. He said that he's only anticipating on one or two guys back who missed from the OU game to be back for Texas Tech. Honestly, that sounds about right. I think we know that. Uh, the minimum you can be out with a positive test is uh, 10 days, and that's just, that's if you kick it and don't have the virus and pe- test positive, get through all your tests uh, basically immediately in contact tracing. It's 14 days because of that awesome incubation period. So one to two guys that doesn't sound like completely off, right when he said that, I was like, oh, dang, 
you know, you, you'd hope you could get more of those guys back. But, I mean, it makes sense knowing what we know. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's it's good that the boys showed that they're kind of ready for the next man up mentality. And they had great experience winning on the road in Norman. So, hopefully that, you know, confidence and experience can carry over to this week. Definitely. So, he did also say that the Sunday test came back completely clean. Uh, you still have Wednesday and Friday to worry about, but it is good to know that they got through at least that first uh, round this week without uh, another positive test. Again, that's all we can hope for. We always record this on a Tuesday. It drops on a Wednesday. Uh, by, by the time Friday rolls around, we might not have a game, but we're, we're going to keep operating and hoping there's no more positive tests. Uh, he, he specifically talked about uh, Mr. Duffy and what a good game he had at left tackle. Uh, in hopes that he can continue to do better and do more as he gets more time. Uh, we saw that, and we talked about it in the postgame pod, about how he seemed to really come into his own throughout the game. Uh, what specifically from him will you be targeting in on for this game versus Texas Tech? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. What about you, buddy? I mean, I, I'm mainly just going to make sure that it looks like he knows his assignments early on. Uh, you could tell he he wasn't confident when he was going up to the line. He had a couple of those pre-snap penalties. I can't I can't recall if I put that into the outline, but he was specifically asked about penalties, Coach Kleiman. He said that the ones that bug him the most were pre-snap penalties. He includes the illegal formation ones in that. So if he can get through that without jumping off sides, without looking hesitant on his first or second step coming off the snap, I'll be very happy, uh, you know, on the progression of Duffy. Um, another thing he talked about was Khalid Duke and how he had a very special talent that makes everyone around him better. Made sure to mention how well he plays uh, versus the run. He gushes about Khalid Duke probably more than any guy outside of maybe, maybe Skylar Thompson. It, it really makes me excited for the future of this young man. I mean, for good reason, right? He just put on an absolute clinic against the best so quote-unquote best team in the conference one of the best teams in the in the nation possibly um I mean he had nine tackles an absolutely monster game and he was by far the most disruptive on our front four so yeah I think the the preseason hype was probably warranted and um who knows if he's going to continue that type of form that he had last week every game that's that's obviously difficult to replicate but um I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited to watch him play again. Yeah, again, if you go back and look at that stat line, the amount of tackles that that guy got and what he really said, what he did in the run game is what was so special. Again, that's what we're all hoping we can see from White Hubert because I tell you yeah. what, if both, if both those guys have an A game, I, I mean, who, who could block them? If they're both having an A game, who in the country can block both those guys? I don't know, but – if, you know, let's say they can both have an A game, that's the type of, like, area that takes a team completely to the next level. I mean, if you can have a disruptive front four consistently, I think this team could seriously, and this may be stupid, but I think we could legitimately have aspirations of going to Arlington or at least knocking on the door because that is, in my opinion, the most important part of the defense, obviously having a, a, a disruptive front four, being able to stop the run, but get consistent pressure on the quarterback, and, but not having to actually bring blitzes is, is so huge. So 
I'm just hoping, yeah, maybe he can bring a little bit more out of, out of Wyatt Hubert. Uh, maybe he can have a little Willis and um, Reggie Walker effect. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and you mentioned it, how well the uh, front four played last game. He heaps tons of praise on Coach White and Coach Tui uh, because the entire front four was able to get pressure on the quarterback without having to blitz, which, again, I think that is such a big thing. We saw last year that the games we got pressure, you had to bring extra guys. So they can continue that on. That's going to be massive. And you know what? Shout out to Coach White and Coach uh, Tui. Those are two guys that at least I on that initial staff had my hesitations about, uh, but they seem to uh, be getting the most out of these guys. So hopefully they can keep it rocking. I mean, shit, we saw it last two weeks with the Chiefs, just how different having a dominant line can be compared to having bringing blitzes. I mean, obviously we have the greatest quarterback on planet Earth and an absolutely absurd offense, but just how disruptive and difficult it was for the Chiefs last week going against a dominant front four against last night, comparatively so, so-called so the best defense in, in the NFL, and they blitzed fucking all night, and it didn't mean shit. I mean, I, it translates pretty much to every, any team. If we can get a dominant front four at K-State, it would genuinely take this team to the next level. Yeah, no, I, and, and that's something I, I will be watching because if they take a step back, that's really – it's. Like, even if you win the game, you probably have to start tempering expectations a little bit. But if they have that second great game back-to-back, uh, you get to start dreaming a little bit. Um, he did mention that they really need to keep Skylar protected and healthy so he continue to have big games. He didn't flat out come out and say what his practice schedule is going to be. But I'd be surprised if he's taking full reps. Again, he's dealing with lower body injuries. So I have a feeling this is going to be a new topic we hear about every week. Yeah, uh, I agree. And it, it worries me a little bit, um, Skyler being banged up, because I think we find the most success when we incorporate a little bit of quarterback run game. So if we're going to limit that, um, I think that takes away a pretty large, um, successful weapon of ours. So, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, but I definitely don't want to get Skyler hurt. So it's a weird balance we're going to have to play. Definitely. Uh, he mentioned that the team leaders did a great job bouncing back and rallying t- the team after Arkansas State. But he, he put a challenge out there, said it, it has to be for the long haul. It can't just be one week. And that they probably need to even amp it up a little bit. doesn't mean that they're going to win, but it does give you better opportunities. This is something that I think Coach Kleiman does great. I think he does uh, a great job speaking to the team through the media because that – that answer when he was asked about the team leaders post-Arkansas State really jumped out to me. And, it, I mean, I'm hoping that it just grounds that team because we want to achieve what, we, what we're hoping we can do. You can't turn around and lay an egg for Tech after that big win. No, and it's, it's consistent with, you know, what his mantra has been from day one, that this is your team. And I love that he just is reiterating that, you know, it's not my job to motivate you guys. You know, it's in your hands and kind of giving him back that, that uh, leadership and ownership is just another great part of his like consistent leadership that kind of bleeds down from the top. So hopefully somebody steps up. I mean, I think we have great leaders on this team anyways. Skyler and Justin Hughes are perfect for each side of the ball. So um, I'm hoping we're ready. 
I agree with you. The next one is another great speaking to a player through the media. Said he was excited for Jalen Pickle. He was able to get back on the field this week despite not being there in the first game. Says he has great length and he's going to benefit from the guys being good outside, but he still needs to improve each week. Kind of thought it, it, that was kind of like him negging him a little bit, being like, yeah. hey, <laughs> you know, you're good. You're good. You have the size, but you have to keep improving, and you're good because of the guys outside. Again, I'm extrapolating a little bit. I'm editorializing a little bit. But, again, it's a, hey, he did a good job, but he benefited from the guys outside. We still need him to continue to improve, um, especially if, if what Coach Kleiman says is true, you're only going to get one or two guys back. Uh, that we're out. That means there's going to be more snaps for him on the inside. Uh, Gundyer ahead, do you think he matches his performance, improves on his performance, or takes a step back versus Texas Tech? Hmm. Gun to my head? Gun to I'm going to say, say he matches it. Matches it? Which I, I would like be it. fine with. I would, take, I would take that game from Jalen Pickle every single day. Because I'm, yeah. I'm not going to nag him. I think he's good, and I think it was because of him, not, uh, not just because the guy's on the outside. Um, he was asked a question about the, uh, third down, but it, would, it wasn't the side of the ball I would have asked him on. He was asked what the team needs to do to improve on, uh, on their third down offense and, can, and improve their conversion rate. Again, that's not the one I'm king in on. I'm more worried about the defense. But he said that they need to improve the protection, avoid third and long, then this is where I almost think he's talking to Coach Messingham. He says they need to figure out quicker what is working personnel-wise, and all of that hopefully will help on third down conversion. I agree with him 100%. I think that you need to go all in on the guys that are feeling it that game, especially on the money down, on the third down. And, again, uh, it's nothing – He's not a football savant for saying you need to be better on first and second down to set yourself up for third down. That's obvious. But I, I like what he said. Figure out what's working personnel-wise early. Yeah, I agree. I think it's obviously a combination of things. I mean, from Messingham's perspective, yes, please be more creative. Use your personnel correctly. Create space for your weapons. But also on the player side, the players need to execute. And that happens in many different forms as well. Less penalties. Stop drops. If you're going to catch the ball, then fucking get to the sticks. Um, simple stuff like that is easy to fix. So hopefully that, you know, the coaches and the players can come together and m- have a happy medium to improve yep. on Saturday. I agree. Uh, he was asked specifically about Joshua Youngblood and what his availability is going to be like on Saturday. He said Youngblood's still getting better and getting back into game shape. He said he and many other guys will need to continue to progress. Again, Youngblood coming off double leg surgery, no spring, no fall ball, COVID. I mean, again, I, I, I was hoping he'd probably hit the ground running a little bit more, but you could tell his, his explosiveness and first step on those kick returns and on that jet sweep just were not there on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. And when you have guys um, like Deuce Vaughn and guys like Keon Mosey that have shown that they have that explosiveness, that, that speed, that vision, then you're not going to default to young blood like you would last year. So um, I think he's just going to kind of have to keep working, biding his time. And this is a good problem. Good problem to have. You want to have those weapons. You want to have that depth, um, depth that we didn't think we may have had when this season began. So um, I like young blood. He's still young um, and he's got plenty of time left in his career to make an impact. 
Oh, yeah. And, and I think for this year, I think the key for him is just get back up to game speed and hopefully, uh, you know, everything will take play or fall into place after that. Another thing Coach Kleiman harped on is that continuity is such a big part of football and that they're going to face the challenge of never knowing who's going to be at practice each and every day. Again, I think we're going to hear a similar quote almost every week from him. Um, and again, it is, it is wild to think that almost every single day that they go out to practice, they're like, oh, shit, like, who actually do we have that can practice? Yeah, I mean, it, it must be extremely frustrating and difficult to actually game plan every week, not even knowing your own team. Like, it must be terrible. And it's it's just we're back. I mean, we're back. Every week is just that new, fresh – experience of anxiety daily not knowing who's going to be ready for Saturday and not knowing who can even fucking practice each day it's it's insane yep uh I think our good friend uh, Derek Young asked about Kamari Gainis and he uh said he looked good took a step from game one to game two coach Kleiman said they're looking at him to try to be a multi-positional guy they want him to be the swing guy on the defensive line who can play inside can play outside then he asked, can we ramp up that role? That's on him. If he can continue to learn the inside and outside spot, that role will ramp up. Um, again, he got a sack. He was back there. I thought he looked good on the outside. Um, it, it would. I mean, he has the weight. He has the size. He could play on the inside if he uh, can get his roles and responsibilities down out there. I like a, you know, a, a multifaceted defensive lineman, a guy who can pop in, pop out, be all over the field. Um, do I think he's going to end up being that guy? Eh, no. I think at, at best he's going to be a depth piece at defensive end this year. Maybe next year he can be that multifaceted guy. Um, that's where my head's at. Am I being too bearish? Do you think he can get, get figured out and play uh, inside and out? I kind of agree with you. I think he's more of a depth guy. Um, but it's good to have a depth guy that's kind of a utility player that can do multiple things. So that's not going to hurt him going forward. But um, I think that's – Another that answers another good example of Kleiman giving players ownership and kind of speaking directly to players through the media, and he's just a great communicator. Yep, I agree with you. And then the final quote that really stuck out to me, and again, I think this is an insight to uh, you know don't expect a lot of the secondary guys to come back for the Texas Tech game, and that's when he said that they're going to just have to continue to throw things up against the wall in the secondary and see what sticks. It's a work in progress, and he said a lot of the young players who are continuing to get better, they're still trying to cement down and find where they fit on the field. Um, you know, in an ideal world, you would already know that, but, again, they didn't get spring ball. They didn't get a full summer or fall camp. So I think that's honestly why you saw Echo Boydo, who's been in the program now for two or three years, get that start at corner instead of a T. Denson, and then why you saw Willie Jones move to a reserve role and A.J. Parker slide down into corner. Um, I, I, that's at least where my head went when he gave that quote. Um, do you expect to see – I mean, after that, I expect to see A.J. Parker starting at nickel and Echo Boydo at corner again. Um, do you think we're going to see that versus Texas Tech, or do you think Willie Jones will come back to nickel uh, versus Tech, who – you know, they have some skilled position players, but, you know, they, they aren't running out, uh, you know, full, you know, eight deep of NFL wide receivers. It's tough to say. I mean, I feel like coming off such a big win and finding success in that combination, why would you change it? Um, you know, 
I think, but I think the situation's fluid. Like you said, they're going to continue to throw things up against the wall and see what sticks. So I don't know if there's going to be a lot of consistency, um, but I kind of expect to see the same um, type of uh, personnel in those spots for tech. I imagine. I mean, if it, if, it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah, no, I, I, that's where I'm landing right now. I, in my ideal world, I was hoping that maybe Lance Robinson or Keandre Thomas was going to get back for Texas Tech because they really do have some dangerous wide receivers, uh, which would allow A.J. Parker to – well, hell, that might actually make A.J. Parker stay at nickel even more. Um, but yeah. we'll see what happens. I trust them. I, I trust especially uh, Klanderman and Van Malone to figure out uh, the secondary – and, you know, it, it is a little fun to just have no idea what the secondary is going to look like. You probably know the pieces, but it, it's, you know, ever-changing puzzle. So, Speaking I, of Van Malone, um, <laughs> he threw out some bait last night on Twitter.com. What was that about? Yeah, so Van Malone throws out, a, I think, a fan Photoshop uniform, and then Taylor Bratt threw some uh, – gasoline on the fire i actually was on a zoom call with who i believe is going to be our free play friday interview we'll we'll we won't quite announce it just in case something falls through i was i was on the zoom call with her and uh she looked at her phone being like what is going on so then i look at my phone and i have people sending me text messages i have people sending me all sorts of stuff like is this real is this real no it's not real but i mean fam alone he, he must have just been bored last night he must have been watching some game film, and he's like, "I want to see the fans spaz out a little bit." So yeah, between that him, must be it. so but him between him and Taylor Brett, they sure got everyone a fizzy or you know about some uh, about some uniforms. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it obviously has any sort of meaning at all. No, um, no, I think they were just trying to rile everyone up. Of course, but maybe we'll come busting out with at home all whites. Nothing new, but what if we did that? That'd be cool. Yeah, nothing new. Uh, this is something that came out uh, last, I think, Wednesday or Thursday. It was Coach Kleiman's call-in show. He actually did say that him, Gene, Kenny, a bunch of people were supposed to fly up to Oregon, have a full-fledged uh, sit-down meeting strategy and design meeting with Nike about future alternate uniforms. And of course, between COVID and I'm sure their supply chain and all that type of stuff was messed up on Nike's end. So um, it's a, a little disappointing. They couldn't do that. So that probably moves the timeline back an extra season, but B it at least does make me excited that there's a possibility on the horizon. We might see a full concept, whether or not friend of the pod will be involved or not. Cause he got a nice little promotion up at night i know for sure he would take that he would take that project over i'm sure well but, I hope uh, so. yeah i'm gonna have to reach out to him and see if there's any whispers yeah you, you need to send him an email and be like hey Kleiman said that there was supposed to be a trip up to oregon him and gene so uh you might need to shoot him a text and see what he says but he, he's a high up, higher up now so i don't i don't know if we'll uh be able to get jason on the airwaves again but We'll move on from that. I think it's time to get into our game primers. And for the 2020 season, those are sponsored by Manscaped.com. This year has had a lot of things happening that's out of your control. But one thing you can't control, that is shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is an electric trimmer that is 
premium that is designed to give you confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. It's also waterproof and has an LED light so you can manscape it in the shower, in the dark or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. Also, this is where we go rogue. We don't go off of the ad read they gave us to tell you that their boxer briefs literally are the best thing in the world. I'm wearing mine today. I also have their ball deodorant, which is also awesome. Go over to manscaped.com. Use promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping. Again, that's promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping. Why? Here's a real question, and I hate to just go on a tangent before we get into the primers, but do they not realize how great their boxer briefs are because they never include them in the ad reads? They must not. I mean – they're truly the best I've ever worn. I, I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, I mean, maybe they're just – maybe they just forgot that they sell those. I mean, they I mean, might. They only advertise really – but that's part of ball care. I mean, it's like putting your balls and penis into a perfect little hammock that's yeah. incredibly comfortable. I, I agree with you. Um, again, they also have the Crop Reviver, which is like a cologne for your balls, and the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant with antioxidants. But, uh, yeah, get the boxer briefs. Armchair at manscaped.com. Okay, our Texas Tech preview is from our armchair media brethren, Spencer Rogers of the 23 Personnel, the Texas Tech podcast inside the Armchair Media Network. Be sure to check out their game preview as well. And the man, the myth, the legend, John Kurtz from the game 1350 K-Man and Powercat game day. Um, you know, he took a big fat L in last trivia. Very embarrassing from John. I was embarrassed for him. For John John Kurt, I had to listen to his voice. I can do his voice pretty good, but I have to hear it. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna do that. Maybe on this pod, I'll listen to it. Again. All right, there let's, you go. Uh, let's let them take it away. Let's let them take it away, and we'll be right back. What's up, Bonehounds? I am John Kurtz. You know me from KMAN. You know me from Twitter, at JL Kurtz. You know me as the star of the silver screen. And by that, I mean YouTube. Please go subscribe, John Kurtz. It's going to put 22 bucks in my pocket. Already has. K-State is 1-1, one one, just like we all expected, right? And they got there exactly how we all expected as well. Right? The 38-35 win over Oklahoma was 40 minutes of, yeah, that checks out, and 20 minutes of straight cocaine right into the bloodstream. K-State went on a 24-0 run to end the game. There was a block punt, an interception, a picture-perfect hit stick, fumble and recovery, and a 38-yard touchdown run from a new star, who's only a freshman, BT Dubs. The defense did it all after having only three days to put together a jigsaw puzzle of pieces in the secondary. Jerron McPherson was a heat-seeking missile, playing a new position for the third time in his career. A.J. Parker was at nickel? Echo Boydo, yes, K-State has a player named Echo, stepped in admirably at corner. Oh, yeah, and DJ Khalid. DJ Khalid! Had the most dominant quarter and a half rushing the passer for the Wildcats this side of Jordan Willis. Skyler Thompson played right into the narrative that's followed him throughout his entire career by, of course, following up a home loss to a Sunbelt team with perhaps his greatest game and the best road win in school history. It was the football equivalent of a debatably photoshopped meme with the caption, haters will say it's fake. 
maybe, just maybe, follow me here, Skyler Thompson really has taken a major step forward, and three to four throws being off in week one was simply a reflection of a new and injured offensive line leaking like a sieve and developing connections with a wide receiver core that was almost entirely quarantined until a day or two before kickoff. Uh, wait, what's that? Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, I'm being told there's no room for nuance in this discussion, and the only appropriate response is, congrats, Skyler. Try not to suck next week. Anyways, now K-State has a tall task on their hands, quite literally. Yes, Texas Tech pulled an epic choke job and blew a 15-point lead with under four minutes left to lose to Texas last week. Yes, Texas Tech almost lost week one to a school that literally plays its games in a CVS parking lot. But they have a great offense, led by British comedy legend Alan Bowman and six foot six. yes, I repeat, six foot six game-breaking wide receiver T.J. Vasher. There's still plenty of residual skill talent left over from the Ryan Gosling era of Texas Tech football. There's also that defense, though. They gave up nearly 600 yards passing in Week 1 to Houston Baptist and 63 points in Week 2 to Texas. K-State should be able to break off some big plays and move the ball, and the defense will have its hands full once again. Think of this as the Diet Coke version of what K-State saw last week in Oklahoma. Uh, Maybe more like Diet Dr. Thunder or something, but you get the point. There's no reason to think that the Sandblaster, or is it the Jitterbug or Deuce Edwards Hilaire, I'll just let my friends from Fox Deportes handle this. Deuce Vaughn! Deuce! Yeah, he should find ways to be effective once again. And as long as the defense has DJ Khalid and Jerron, there's absolutely fear in McPherson. They should make enough plays to keep Tech from racking up Mahomes numbers. Right now, things seem fine on the COVID front. Expect perhaps a player or two back from last week that was out. We'll see what Wednesday and Friday tests show as far as any new players that will be out for K-State. But, Bonehounds, hear me out. I'd expect K-State to take care of business in a reasonably tight game and beat Tech. We'll call it 34-27. to Go subscribe to the YouTube channel, John Kurtz on YouTube, at JL Kurtz on Twitter. You can find the game on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Just search the game, K-M-A-N. Thank you so much for lending an ear, Bonehounds. Scott and Grant, congrats on the sex, by the way, buddy. Back to you. Hi, everybody. This is Spencer Rogers, host of the Texas Tech podcast called the 23 Personnel Podcast. We are members of the Armchair Media Network alongside your Bosco's boys, and we're happy to be giving a little preview for this weekend's game. For those unfamiliar so far with the Texas Tech schedule, Tech hosted the Houston Baptist Huskies, uh, an FCS opponent, and were fairly lucky to escape that game with a victory 35-33. Gave a lot of Tech fans pause about the rest of the season, especially considering we had uh, the Texas Longhorns coming in game number two on the schedule, which was this past weekend. For those that don't know or didn't see any of the the meltdown here, Texas Tech ended up losing this game in overtime 63-56. In the first half, Texas never really had more than a 10-point lead. Um, Texas Tech was able to keep it close. There were some special teams, uh, momentum shifting moments in the game. Tech had a, uh, a blocked punt. They recovered an onside kick. Texas Tech was also able to recover and score on a Texas muffed punt. Texas then was able to, to block and score on a blocked punt themselves. And of course, they, they, uh, they had an onside kick recovery there at the end of the game to help give them an, an extra possession. Going into the fourth quarter, it felt like you had, you had a shot. You were able to, to take the lead there. Um, 
You exchanged a couple of touchdowns early in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then you put two, two scores back to back capped off by a 75 yard touchdown run from running back Sir Roderick Thompson. This put Texas tech up 15 points with three minutes left. Um, and we all kind of looked at that and thought the game was over. Not the case though. Special teams came back to, to haunt us though. A pooch kick went wrong, gave Texas a short field. They were able to score in four plays, 34 seconds. Then they recovered the onside kick that I mentioned. Um, left 40 seconds on the clock after they had tied the game after a converted two-point attempt. Really, anything after that that long run, Texas Tech wasn't able to do anything offensively. Texas scored in the, the overtime period. Texas Tech took turn the ball over essentially twice, but they fell to the Longhorns at home, 63-56. So expectations for the season, it's all over the place. Uh, the Red Raiders were picked to finish ninth in the conference, maybe winning two or three games. Uh, a lot of that expectation is kind of tanked after week one when they struggled with an FCS opponent. We saw, you know, uh, a former tech grad assistant, uh, offensive coordinator for, for Houston Baptist coordinate you know, more than 600 yards of offense, kind of set the blueprint of how teams with more talent, more depth could, could defeat the Red Raiders this season. With the Longhorns coming in, um, obviously a lot more talent. We were expecting a much larger margin of defeat there. But then how they played the game really kind of throws expectation out the window again. We're just not really sure what the team is. You know, are you going to get the Texas Tech from week one? Is, is that going to be your the team you get most weeks this season? Are you going to get the team that played against Texas and could have and should have won that game? Um, you know, they are obviously able to show that they can compete with teams that would be at the top of the conference. They just couldn't put them away. So strengths on this team, uh, let's start with the offensive side. Offensive skill positions, the talent there, it's been something that Texas Tech has been able to boast for for many years. And then on the, on the defensive side, past few years has been linebackers uh, in the depth there. That's no different this year. With the offensive skill positions, they need to be a little bit more consistent, uh, continue to, to, to score points and put teams away. The linebackers will anchor this defense. You know, we've seen the the past guys like Dakota Allen, Jordan Brooks, that kind of those kind of guys. Not that uh, you, you can easily replace those those type of talented individuals, but Matt Wells and Keith Batterson have been able to to continue to restock there on the linebackers. They have shown they they can help shore up the run defense. Um, they are used sparingly to to apply some some pass uh, some pressure on the quarterback in passing situations and even help alleviate or relieve some of the pressure on the defensive backs in pass coverage because the defensive backs are hands down the, the biggest uh, weakness on this team. Uh, week one, we saw that we it, it couldn't cover an FCS team. We were afraid that same kind of thing was going to happen against Texas. They were a little bit better, uh, but still there were some, some cracks there. Um, and they just, you know, historically they, this defense has issues tackling key players for the walk have to be looking out for uh, outside of Alan Bowman, the quarterback uh, running back. Sir Roderick Thompson is in, in third year with the program uh, has taken over the starting role and then inside receiver Keyshawn Carter. He's an electric playmaker. Um, and then Eric Ezukanma on the outside, just uh, an absolute beast of, a, of an individual there shows a lot of, a lot of strength and large catch radius on the defensive side. Uh, it's got to be anchored by that middle linebacker, Krishan Merriweather. He's a JUCO transfer that's coming immediately, been able to, to walk into that role for Jordan Brooks. 
keys to the game. Um, obviously, when you're facing the Wildcats, you don't want to let them dictate the game. You don't want them to to go on long, sustained drives. So you got to get them off the field on third down. Um, and then offensively, because possessions will most likely become at a premium, you got to be efficient in converting those into points. As far as a prediction for the game, you know, the line opened up as Tech plus four. Um, and it's moved down as low as uh, Tech plus one and a half. Over under set at 63 and a half, which kind of feels like a lot for this game. Because of the un- uncertainty of, of what kind of Tech team you're going to get, and this be their first first game on the road, uh, going up to Manhattan to take on, you know, your your Wildcats that were able to, to take on and defeat the Sooners. Um, you know, I, I don't really know what kind of team we're going we're to get. I would expect Kansas State to, to w- win a close game, uh, maybe something like 31 to 28. So that'll do it for us from the 23 Personnel Podcast. You can follow us or hear our, our side of the preview. Uh, 23 Personnel Podcast, we are on. Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at 23Personnel. Um, you can follow me at Punts Suck or my co-host Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And we're back. Thank you again to friend of the show, John Kurtz and our Brother in armchair Spencer Roger of the 23 personal or personnel podcast, the Texas Tech podcast of the Armchair Media Network. Little look behind the scene. We had our first ever issue uh, recording Zoom. We had all of this, uh, you know, part part two uh, thrown out. Um, sucks. I apologize to you, Grant, but hey, at least we know what we're going to say. Yeah, I actually deleted. Uh, the outline, so I forgot pretty much what my answers are, but we're going to have to run through it again, and I'll try to pull something out of the hats. So, whatever. Here we go. Yeah, yeah let's I might just have to, There might have to be an, a beer the pod now. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I apologize, uh, but we're going to get into it. Um, so, here's where we're going to talk about things we're going to look at for and what this game might mean. Um, so the first thing I had on my list is can, can we avoid getting on that roller coaster? Can we keep on the high instead of crashing right back down? Again, we saw this last year where we would have a few wins, then we'd lose two. We'd have a few wins, then we'd lose two. You know, beat Iowa State to end the season and lose in the bowl game. So can we avoid having that up down? I enjoy roller coasters, but just not with my college football team. I agree. And, I mean – that type of inconsistency is the mark of a, you know, a good to average college football team. And if we can avoid that type of thing, maybe we can take the next step forward. Uh, we will see. We have good leadership on both sides of the ball. So hopefully we can um, utilize that leadership and, and go into this trap game um, level-headed. Yeah, and it truly is a trap game um, because after Oklahoma last year, you had the who is K-State and you had less miles. You had the in-state rivalry. For better or worse, Texas Tech is, if not the most meh team on the schedule, like when you think about motivation, I don't know what is mm-hmm. because West Virginia have that horrid record over the last five. Baylor, they're scumbags. Texas is Texas. Maybe TCU. No one gives a shit about TCU, but, I mean, Tech, it's tough to get up for that one. So they, the, the leaders really need to do a good job uh, to avoid that. Also, looking at the schedule, this is what brings me to the next one. You win that, you can at least start to whisper whisper in your group chats about, hey, Arlington, question mark, 
Uh, I know at the end of the pod, we, we were like, hey, Arlington are best. But all of a sudden, you're 2-0. and Looking at that schedule, Iowa State has Oklahoma. Baylor is having to, you know, play a real game. They have to play West Virginia as more, more of a pulse than KU does. Texas has TCU. Oklahoma State, they're going to be 2-0. But all of a sudden, you know, if things go right, it could be sitting pretty uh, after two, just two games. Um, are you going to whisper to yourself Arlington before bed if we, if we win the game? Or are you going to hold off? Um, you know, it's when you look at the overall picture of the conference, it's not completely crazy to be having dreams of Arlington. I mean, I think that there is a lot of parity in the conference from top to bottom, and we already have these these so-called heavy favorite behind us with a win. So we just have to try to stay consistent, and you have to – you absolutely cannot drop these types of games. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm already whispering Arlington because why, why the fuck not? It's a, such a weird year. I mean, take advantage of it. Everyone's – it's kind of leveled the playing field a bit. Everyone's got this instability going on. Um, so why not? I, I don't, I'm not putting us as favorites, but, you know, right now we're sitting 1-0 top of the table, and we have the hardest game behind us. So I say let yourself dream, but, um, you know, face reality if, if it doesn't happen. Also, no, it's wild is if you lose it, then all of a sudden it's going to be just as shitty as the Arkansas State week was. So it's funny how big of a difference, you know, the pendulum will be yeah. on this one. The next thing I had on there, and I'll have this probably anytime Climbing plays versus one of the other three coaches he was hired in the same offseason against. But, you know, you're going up against Matt Wells. You want to continue to cement yourself as the best hire, the best coach of the four. I think you could maybe make an argument for Neil Brown, and Neil Brown's the only one who got uh, Chris Climbing last year. Uh, but I personally think he's a better coach than Matt Wells. I think there's no doubt he's better than Les Miles. But uh, if you drop this one versus Matt Wells, at least uh, – there could be an argument against that. And I, I personally, as a, you know, one of the top 20 biggest Chris Kleiman fans, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it either. And I think it would go, it would go a ways to the proof that, you know, Kleiman is probably the best hire out of the, out of the four that were hired um, to go to and over Matt Wells and, and take his record to three and one, but you know, It'll find we'll find out. I think he's already, even if he does somehow drop this game, which is totally possible, but I think he's a better hire and a better coach than Matt Wells. Uh, I think that's a weird fit for Texas Tech, and he doesn't really blow me out of the water as a coach anyways. Not saying he's, like, terrible, but um, we'll see. I hope he can take his record to 3-1, and one, no doubt. Definitely. The next thing I had on there is the op opportunity for the offensive line to have a complete game start to finish. Again, I think we saw some brief flashes versus Arkansas State, ironically, early. Oklahoma, it was late. Can you give me even a C-plus to B-minus type game, snap one to snap 70, or how many snaps they're going to get? Um, that would go a long way in allowing myself to dream and you know maybe feel confident or bullish before we play TCU the following week. That would that might be the number one thing that could calm uh, you know my anxiety for the rest of the season. I agree, and if we can get the offensive line to operate how we want it to, that's going to really um, give basically the entire team and the coaching staff the opportunity to really flourish um, because that's 
it's our bread and butter. We, we need to have the offensive line operating at a high level. And uh, I think to be able to do that, we just need to clean up those mistakes. And um, that would give us a nice opportunity to launch from at least not starting out in a hole. Um, and I don't know, we'll see, we'll see what we can do. Cause I think if we, if we could put in a B plus game um, or better, uh, we could see just what this team's identity and what the ceiling of this team truly is. I think if they have a B plus game instead of a C plus game, then all of a sudden, I mean, I think, I think we win this by multiple scores. I, I just don't, I don't see a B plus game, but Hey, I've been wrong before. The next thing I had on the list is can the legend of Deuce Vaughn continue again uh, through two games? It's, it's been a great two games, but it's more like kind of cult, cult hero type status for his freshman year. All of a sudden, he, ha- he has another, you know, 150 total yards, a touchdown. I think all of a sudden you can, you can start saying Deuce Vaughn's having a legendary freshman season. Uh, if, you, if you had to put money on it, is he, is he going to go over 125 all-purpose yards? Uh, that's – I would put the under. <laughs> if I had to put money on it, I would say under. I mean, here's the problem with Deuce Vaughn is that now he's no longer a secret. I mean, Matt Wells called him out specifically in his press conference. But um, I think he is the real deal. I mean, he's shown that he's got – the speed he's got the vision he's got the moves he's got great hands um and he's just 18 years old so uh it's probably tougher for him to you know be consistent as a very young player but you know we'll see i think he's got that it factor in him so um but the good thing is you know now that he is not a secret anymore um if people key on him we can bust out other guys like the Joshua Youngbloods and the, the Keon Moseys. So uh, we'll see. I hope he busts. I hope he breaks uh, 125 and shuts me up though. Love. I love watching him with the ball in his hands. I like it. The next one I had is can Skyler stay hot? He had his career high passing game. He had three rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown. Can he back that up with another massive game? I mean, he, he said it himself. He, he likes the motivation. He, he plays, he lives for the big games. The haters motivated him. Um, can he stay mad? Can he stay motivated? Because Texas Tech, it's not a big game, but, you know, he's one of those leaders. He needs to make sure that folks don't get complacent. Well, the key to Skyler staying hot is one of us giving him the login details of our KSO subscription and pointing him to the direction of a couple threads where he is basically the butt of everybody's um, posts except for ours. But uh, yeah, he just needs to stay mad. Um, He said it himself. He was watching the haters. He was listening to the haters and that motivated him. Um, So keep that in the back of his head every day and shut everybody up. Definitely. The final one that I had on here is, what does the defense look like and can they continue to keep the turnovers coming? I'm not bullish on them having a full 360 on the third down defense. Uh, So that's going to mean they're going to depend on getting turnovers again. Can they keep that going? The clip they're at is at an elite level. Um, Eventually that's going to cool off. I just hope it's not this week. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if we can continue that streak of turning people over. So uh, we're going to have to play a more complete game, get off the field on third down um, and just similar to OU make, make tech earn every score. Definitely. So let's now talk about, the keys that if we are going to win this game are keys to be. Grant, give me your first one. What What is that first thing that you would say 
uh, will unlock another Wildcat victory? Well, um, I think we need to come back down to earth and like many of the boneheads love to say, keep that chip on our shoulder firmly. Um, this is a big trap game. And uh, like last year, we don't have miles to go. We don't have an in-state rivalry to get us motivated. Um, so we need to keep that, keep that chip on our shoulder and, and refocus and, you know, put tech just in front of us next on the chopping block. I love it. So I'm going to repeat this one until it happens and it's established something that resembles a running game. Doesn't have to be power. Doesn't have to be inside zone. Doesn't even have to be a running back, but if you can find a way to get consistent production running the ball, that's what it's going to take. Uh, over half our rushing yards last week came on one play by Deuce Vaughn. Can't have that. We need to, we need to, we need to find a way to move the ball running because at the end of the day, I, I don't think it's replicable hitting the home run once again. That's not the way K-State's ever been. I don't think that's ever going to truly be our identity. It's a lot of fun. It is a ton of fun hitting the home run. But at the end of the day, we need to, to have consistent success, control the clock, control the ball. So that's my next one. What do you got for your last one? I already did too, my friend. No, you didn't. Oh, yes. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. Oh, wait. No, I didn't. What the fuck? I think I had a stroke. Um, anyways. Hey, Les Miles. Just so confused. We've already done this twice. I feel like I do have oh, no. dementia. Uh, or we've already done this once. Um, so I think we need to improve on third down um, on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. Um, I know we just had uh, a game where we were both, or we were poor uh, statistically on both sides of the ball on third down, and we happened to win an improbable game. But that's the law of averages tell us that that's that's going to be difficult to replicate, and um, you know, if we can't get people off the field on third down, if we can't convert on third down and we continue to have these poor percentage games, it's going to come back and bite us. And we really don't want to do that in a game like Texas Tech, which is one of our more winnable games. So uh, improve third down percentages on both sides of the ball. Yep. And my final one is play a clean game of football. Try to cut, cut back on penalties and continue to protect the ball. Again, the penalties have been a headache. I'm usually not someone who harps on it, but they're just stupid mental errors before the snap, getting in the right alignment, remembering the snap count. So that's, that's been frustrating. And again, continue to protect the ball. Uh, you, if you don't protect the ball versus Arkansas State, all of a sudden we're not having a shot to win that game late, and you're definitely not beating Oklahoma. So continue to protect the ball and cut back on those uh, dumb penalties. So we're going to jump in now to our game prediction. We're going to predict the K-State-Texas Tech game. And for this season, it is, of course, sponsored by BetOnline.ag. Guys, we said at the top of the show, there's never been more to gamble on. You have the NBA Finals, Major League Baseball playoffs. You have NFL, college football. You have European soccer. It's back. MLS still going. There's never been more stuff to gamble on over at betonline.ag because Kansas and Missouri are stupid and didn't legalize sports gaming. So let's hear it. Give me your score prediction for this game. Um, I think it's going to be – another scary you know heart-wrenching type of game and I think Blake Lynch is going to be the hero once again I've got the Cats in a lower scoring game than you would think 31-28 yeah I'm going the other way I'm saying big scoring get your blood pressure messing ready I'm saying Cats 45 Red Raiders 41 so the Cats cover that two and a half point spread um 
instead of picking games, we typically pick all the Big 12 games. We're actually now going to just run through the Big 12 schedule. There's only four games. Uh, I'll give you the game spread as we are here Tuesday afternoon. Just give a quick take or a hot take on the game. The first one, 11 a.m. on Big Noon kickoff on Fox, 11 a.m. Texas is favored by 13 versus TCU. Uh, Texas had, you know, had all they could handle with uh, Texas Tech. TCU almost upset the Cyclones. Um, I'll have an eye on that one. Are you intrigued by that game at all? I think it's the second most intriguing game this week. Um, just seeing how poor Texas was on Saturday um, makes me question question where they really stand in this conference this year. Um, so I think TCU will be looking to get some revenge. Those guys hate each other anyway, so it's going to be an interesting game. The next one, 11 a.m., the second closest spread. Baylor only favored by three versus West Virginia. I thought it probably would have been more, but again, Baylor played KU. This is only their second game, so this is their first real test. West Virginia had, you know, about a 13-point loss versus Oklahoma State. Um, I'll have my eye on this one. This is probably one of the two most intriguing games to me. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Which game? Sorry. <laughs> Baylor, West Virginia. Only Baylor, West Virginia. Only favored by three. Baylor's only favored by three on the road. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, we don't really know. I didn't I haven't had a chance to watch West Virginia yet. And um, you know, they've still I think Neil Brown's got a lot to prove, but I believe in him. I think he's one of the better coaches in the conference and he will he will prove that um over time. And we still don't really know anything about Baylor either. So it's kind of a mystery game um, to probably lower-end teams in the conference. So who knows? Yep, we got our friends in Lawrence hosting Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State favored by 21. This is 2.30 on ESPN. Oklahoma State has gotten out to very slow starts. You got to think they remedy that versus what might be the worst KU team of all time. I would think so. They have looked really poor in their first two games, but um, KU's pretty terrible. So hopefully it's another enormous loss for the Jayhawks and their 51st straight conference road loss. No, KU's at home. So I said oh, KU's hosting. Well, whatever. <laughs> their right. million loss out of a million and three. Who cares? Yep, and then the uh, nightcap, 6.30 on ABC. This is the one you and I both will be tuned in to, hopefully after a case they win. OU's only favored by six and a half. Going to Iowa State, you got to hope, as us, Iowa State haters, Oklahoma hangs 200 of them, although it is Brocktober. I need Brocktober to be thoroughly dismantled on Saturday. Um, he's the most overrated quarterback in the country. I do not see the hype. I don't get why people like him so much. I wouldn't take him at K-State in a million years over Skylar Thompson. Um, but how, you know, how does, how does Oklahoma respond? It'll be interesting. I think, I think they batter him, truly, but we'll see. Definitely. They have Texas the following week, so – they always seem to look ahead a little bit, but I don't think that will happen this year. All right, and then finally, just some national games I'll keep an eye on. Arkansas State versus Coastal Carolina. Uh, my friend Blake Anderson, the coach of Arkansas State, he tested positive for COVID, so they will have an interim coach. They're also battling back. They've had their last two games canceled due to COVID, so we'll see if Arkansas State can beat Coastal. If they don't, folks are going to try to make it into a deal that it isn't. And then also Auburn, Georgia. That's another game I'm going to be watching. I think the entire country will be watching. Grant, is there any other uh, big-time game you'll have your eye on? 
Uh, pretty much just Auburn, Georgia, and then maybe A&M, Alabama. Um, that's always produced a pretty entertaining, pretty entertaining game. Um, but I hate, really hate both of them. So I don't know. I haven't been watching a lot of other games, to be completely honest. Oh, well, I have because I'm obsessed with college football. So that's all we have today. Again, uh, you know, sorry to Grant uh, for having to redo this. Uh, although, you know, uh, okay. it, it is, you know, there was something that, that was cut off of that. And, you know, that it is what it is. Uh, yeah, that, that's all I got. So we love you guys. Don't be dicks to your uh, fellow human. We love you guys. Uh, and Grant, give us your favorite catchphrase. Meet me at the cat head.
Social Podcast Network.